So you've got a podcast or an idea for a podcast or no ideas yet, but you want to start a podcast. Whatever stage you're at, G Media Solutions is here to help you take your podcast to the next level. We are a podcast production company based in Atlanta that specializes in audio recording, video live streaming, and all the elements you need to make your podcast thrive. To fulfill your podcast needs, contact us on Facebook and or Instagram at G Media ATL. Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Oh, go. Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. We stream live every Sunday at 8 on Facebook. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica every Sunday. We have a lot to share. There's another podcast I want to tell you guys about. It's called The Barber and the Bartender. There's a barber, there's a bartender, and they talk about pop culture, sports, music. And of course, because one of them's a bartender, there's going to be a drink of the day and he'll give you a little history on different libations. So uh, tune into The Barber and the Bartender on Spotify, Apple Podcast. They're on Facebook. Here's the trailer for their podcast. Come to my chair, you catch a fade or get a taste. This shit gonna hurt tomorrow. Mm-mm. But it tastes good today. It's gonna hurt right now. I'm at the bar mixing up drinks and conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just a part-time dirt bag. Don't do that. You're a superstar. Yeah, we the ones you talk to and we your favorite. I'm a barber. You know what I'm saying? Niggas got, their, niggas put, they got their permanent hair, I know. You know what I'm saying? I just said that's I, my I, hero. You gonna hold him on the perm? First of all, niggas that have nappy hair, put permanent <laughs> hair, have baby hair. It's the barber and the bartender, the best podcast in the nation. Man, I have more. Hey, hey, get done. Get done. Get done. Cheers. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg, and we're doing another throwback episode this week. We're going back to episode 53, Faye Makes the Sandwiches. We had Matt B. on to discuss the film That Thing You Do, written and directed by Tom Hanks. And it was a fun conversation talking about the uh, parallels between the film and the early days of Beatlemania, and basically uh, how the story was put together. Um, it's one of Matt's favorite movies, so he had a lot of insight uh, about the film. And um, what I realized when I watched it, I had watched the uh, extended cut or director's cut of the film, so there were a lot of extra scenes uh, that may or may not have been good to keep in. But either way, it was a great front conversation to talk about the film. So we hope you guys enjoy it. Episode 53, Faye Makes the Sandwiches. You'll find out why uh, <laughs> that's the title. And uh, we will be back sooner than later with a new episode. Peace. But we started the show with the um, 
with a scene from a film called That Thing You Do. And uh, it's a it's a documentary about a great <laughs> band from Erie, Pennsylvania called the O'Neaters. <laughs> oh, Netters. Uh, oh, Netters. Excuse me. Excuse me. It's oh, Netters. The, the Wonders. The Wonders. The Wonders. Um, I would have made that same mistake. I would have. <laughs> yeah, because like I, oh, it looks like O'Neaters. <laughs> I thought there was uh, for a while, like the first time I seen, I thought there was a hyphen between the E and D. You but there thought. wasn't. Yeah, he just put. Well, but when she originally wrote it in the notebook, it was hyphenated, I think. Yeah. And then whenever I, I guess they scrapped that in filming. So. Um. Yeah. Uh, my. <laughs> so, um. What I didn't realize, I felt like like that thing you do came out in like two thousand three or something. Oh, it was nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This yeah. this film is over twenty years old. Yeah, yeah. I had this thing on VHS when I was a kid. <laughs> Do you still have it? Uh, at my parents' house, probably. But I, I definitely have it on DVD. That's for sure. The uh, director's cut. Oh God! Oh, I wanted to see that. It's um, interesting. Yeah. I watched the director's cut. There were a couple. There were a couple things that, uh, like, I don't remember this scene. This is one. This is one of those additional scenes, like. Um, and I, I saw that when I was looking at, I was looking at looking for clips on YouTube from the film. I was looking for specifically the one, the, the talent show scene that we started the show with. Um, I didn't know that Mr. White was written as a gay man. Yeah. That's what yeah. I read. Yeah. Cause Howie Long was in the movie <laughs> and they cut him out and that was his uh, boyfriend slash driver. So, so, uh, yeah, pro football hall of famer <laughs> and yep. the television Sports uh, analyst Howie Long, he's <laughs> Mr. White's boyfriend, uh, in a deleted scene. Um, I, I feel like it was deleted because of I don't know if Howie Long felt like something was gonna, um, it would have looked a certain way with him playing a, a gay character, even though they didn't. Do there anything. was nothing. <laughs> there was nothing really done, and it was really like implied, like you really had to be listening for it. Well, not really. You didn't have to listen too hard for it, but you, you well, kind of, like, you know, it was. When you look at those deleted scenes, like you, you get why they were deleted. Like they're really not necessary. So yeah. it's just like the movie plays long if you watch the director's cut or if you watch the actual like theatrical release, like it's perfect. Like it makes sense. So, yeah. Um, and another thing I didn't know, and I know we're kind of, we might be like jumping around here, but. Um, the, I hadn't, I don't, I didn't, well, I don't, I, I think this was, this was a, an additional scene where, um, guy calls the, the jazz radio host played by Ron Howard's brother <laughs> and says that, uh, um, He's like, do you remember me when so there was there is a scene? The scene is in the movie where they were at the jazz radio station. Mm-hmm. And he says he was talking to Del Paxton and Willie Walker. And it's like, could you record them like telling stories? And then like somehow the engineer who was in the studio just arranges these mics very discreetly, mm-hmm. quote unquote, discreetly. <laughs> and they're just talking. And apparently they talked for hours because guy comes back to the hotel with like 30 tapes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, And then, like, all of a sudden, he has a job at a radio station playing these tapes. So he gets to move out to California and live there because he made these tapes. It's very, it was very strange. And um, it makes sense that that scene was actually like cut because because it, 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 it happened too neatly for Guy already um, to where suddenly him and Faye are in love and, you know, they get they go back into the hotel. Yeah. But it, that was just a weird way to end the movie to me. I don't know about you, Matt, since, you know, you're a um, uh, with being a fan of the of the movie. So we'll, we're going to start at the yeah. end. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so with Guy and Faye, um, it, it was like they, it was kind of hard to see that like Guy was in love with Faye throughout the movie. Like there are little moments, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, but then it just the all like, there's more of those moments. Like it it's, like, it's little subtle things throughout yeah. the director's cut. So like it, that cutting those scenes kind of hurt the end of it a little bit, but it still didn't kind of come out of nowhere to me, but I see what you mean by that because it's like, it also doesn't feel right because you're used to seeing Faye and Jimmy and then all of a sudden it's guy. It's like the, when uh, Joey was dating Rachel and friends, it's like, that doesn't feel right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It was like, like there were certain, there was someone was like, there was, I don't know if it was an additional scene as well. I, I was, uh, cause the, the version I watched, I realized it was the director's cut, but I wasn't sure exactly what the additional scenes were exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a scene where guy first rehearses with the band yeah, and Faye comes in with some sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a very and, awkward. And, yeah. And there was a very weird exchange to that. Like, I don't think this was in. <laughs> I don't think yeah, this was like in. His movie. reaction toward like her was just, I was watching it and it's like that. That's not, that seems like it was just an outtake and they just left it in the director's cut almost. But yeah, and I, th- I think it might've started there with her friendly back and forth. And then, Cause like throughout the movie, like he's very protective of her all the time. Yeah. And even when he's drunk and like Tom Hanks, character is talking to him, like, you know, you know, talking about Jimmy and talking about Faye. Well, she's special, isn't he? And he's like, Oh yeah, she's special. And so like even drunk, he kind of lets on that he's, but I guess what, sort of what kind of came, what kind of made it seem out of, it was out of nowhere to me is that, He's still trying to um, have some kind of contact with Tina. Mm. Like he's sending her pictures from yeah. the road and she's just totally ignoring him because she found that dentist. And that that was in the extended cut. And in the actual movie, he left her uh, completely alone right after like the talent show. Like you never heard of Tina again. Hmm. And... So they did a better job on the the theatrical version of like trimming that and getting her out of the movie completely. And then guy, you never saw him revert back to Tina. At least that I can remember. So with the scene, like at kind of like at the, it it was like really at the beginning where he's driving and he was supposed to meet Tina somewhere. Yeah. And then he followed her back to her. No, she followed him back to his apartment or something like that. Mm-hmm. Was that scene in the movie like in in his apartment? 
No, no, that that whole okay. thing. Like, so it basically where he's another playing his scene. drums right there, and like it fades out, and then like I think it's him upstairs doing the books or whatever, and his dad tells him like to come down. Basically, right after that, like instead of him getting in the car and driving somewhere, it cuts immediately to him pulling up and hitting the bumper of that car and it's the next day and he's going back into work so like that whole nighttime scene after the drum solo and like turning the neon sign off like everything else doesn't happen it's just it picks back up at the morning okay um well I, I okay I thought there was that scene where they pass each other in the street in their cars but I didn't remember that apartment scene so I know that apartment scene had to was no, additional there, but a different that was additional where, as well yeah, there was a scene you might be thinking of when he's in the car with her after they win the talent show, and then they pat or they pull up next to the other bandmates in the other car, but he's in the car with her still after that. But yeah, that that scene where like they meet each other in the middle of the road that that's not in the theatrical. Okay, I need to get this extended cut. I'd heard about it, but I I had never you know gone out to find it. Like just, it, it answers some questions and like kind of like lets you on to like the I am Spartacus thing. Like it kind of like it yeah. makes that make a little more sense. Yeah. But um, yeah, in other ways, it kind of you see how like there could be some not plot holes or anything like that, but like just kind of continuity problems and like just the the tone of the movie is off with those scenes and like you really don't need the dentist thing you don't need like all you need to know is that she left him for the dentist Mm -hmm. and he's a young or he's a you know big attractive dude and that's all you need to know versus like all these extra scenes that are like show them painting the house together and like you don't need any of that (laughs) it's like or not the house but the the office yeah yeah um there was a uh yeah, the the I am Spartacus thing made sense with that a, a scene in his apartment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because that's he was saying that, but the, it made sense. But then it eventually did not make sense uh, because yeah. him saying they well, um, uh, in the in the uh, the director's cut for people who haven't seen it. Um, when guy is is driving after he closes the store. He passes Tina in there. So they're in their own cars in the middle of the road and they're supposed to go to a party. It sounds like. And uh, he's like, yeah, I was on my way to, to go there. And he, he doesn't. He, I think he has no idea where he's supposed to be going. Yeah. Uh, so she just wants to go back to his place. And he says, OK, but if we go back to my place, I am going to make out with you. I was like, <laughs> She's going back to your place. Well, you know what? This is 1965. Um, these are different times. So, um, <laughs> but while they're while they're making out on the couch, uh, Spartacus is on TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and with him saying "I am Spartacus," that's like a turn on for her. Oh, so why is he saying it when they perform? <laughs> See, that's the thing. See, that's why it like it made sense then, but then it eventually does not make sense. Like, why is he still saying it? You're, you're not with yeah. Tina anymore. And it's also just probably topical of the time, like where we quote movies now. Like, he's probably doing it then, but like, yeah, without that, without that scene, that makes less sense in the movie. But also, it's an unnecessary scene for the most part. So it's like, you know. They're, they're probably just like, hey, you know, we can either elaborate on the Spartacus thing or just leave it alone and keep going with the movie. So, I don't know. Um, 
there were some parallels to some things that happened in music history. Uh, uh, what was the original drummer's name? I know it, the actor's name is Giovanni Ribisi, but it was uh, Chad. Chad. So, uh, uh, guys, uh, Chad fell down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Chad was the 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 Pete best of the group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it it, re- it reminded me of like like Chad is uh well if you've seen the Temptations miniseries he's Al. <laughs> Where for just some reason he he was there at the beginning and then just wasn't <laughs> and then just wasn't. Well, but, like, you know was, he uh, he goes to work in a was, in a in an appliance store rather than you know sitting at a bar drinking himself to death. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's see what <laughs> I was because I was like, well, how did um. I know like he was in the band and he had broken his arm, but I forgot the uh, that scene had was in the movie where he broke his arm, right? Above the parking meter. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, that sets up the whole like, like guy coming in, and like there's a lot of Beatles parallels in the movie. Period. I, I think more so than any other band, probably. But I mean, like Guy was even modeled after. I think it was Jimmy Nickel who was replaced Ringo Starr on tour for like one tour or. A couple of years or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember what happened to Ringo, but like that's what they modeled Guy after. And I think uh, Mr. White was supposed to be Brian Epstein, and Epstein was gay, so that's why they wrote him gay. But you didn't know that unless you saw the director's cut. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think the Beatles. Who was their original base? I think I read somewhere that both the Beatles and the wonders lost their original bass player. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And original drummer, obviously, because Pete best was the original one, but then that careful girls, he's engaged thing with, uh, Jimmy, that was John Lennon. That happened to him on Ed Sullivan where like that said, sorry, girls, he's married at the, the caption. So that happened to him. Okay. I remember and hearing I, that actually. Yeah. And then that thing that happened to Faye where she was, uh, she was like trying to, go with them like through the mob of people and she got stopped um by security trying to you know because they thought she was a fan and that happened to john lennon's wife so like that was there's a couple of things that kind of got taken from the beatles uh life and put into that but so in a way that it's kind of like um it's kind of written away how uh another fictional about about another fictional group the five heartbeats mm-hmm. was loosely based on well several motown artists but the temptations and i think the spinners and the four tops so basically a lot of motown groups in the 60s and 70s so mm-hmm. um that was kind of and almost famous as well that was a cameron crow's account from working with several bands so like yeah. there's a lot of things that actually yeah. happen that are referenced in that movie just kind of pieced together right right um so um all right so now we can kind of go through through the whole film again um so <laughs> um who did you have a favorite character uh, uh yeah absolutely who's that yeah. uh lenny <laughs> <laughs> yeah, steve, steve zahn was like i mean it's still 
his moments in the movie are still like they still make me laugh. He was a scene stealer. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> a plate old record man. Like, <laughs> but like even like saving Silverman. Like I just like anything he does. But like I, I feel like his character in this movie is just it was a hundred percent necessary, and they got the exact right person to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he had some. Um, <laughs> what am I? What uh, I was trying to find the. Um, see if it was on the IMDb quotes, but when they're. Uh, when they're at the when they're doing the jazz when they're at the jazz radio station they're like who are your influences oh and yeah he says Captain Captain <laughs> or the 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 scene where like they're being interviewed at the state fair and he's talking about oh i'm not with these guys i'm here to for the pig pig competition i'm gonna win with that blue ribbon <laughs> i'm gonna win that blue ribbon oh yeah um and uh there was another scene where um, where they're where they're at where they're about to form, perform in the Hollywood showcase, mm-hmm. and Jimmy's throwing up, <laughs> and he and Liddy just comes in. He's just making it worse. He's like, "Are you nervous? Because you're going to perform on national television." <laughs> uh, I'm just sitting here reading the quotes. Thank you, Illinois, it's the land of Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, he's the only person to call guys Skitch. Skitch, yes, that's what he used to Take say. Say Skitch. Skitch is yeah. like, puts on the sunglasses. He's like, these are these are your thing. I like and I like that. Like, uh, I just uh, and I guess Tom, and that's what makes Tom Hanks my favorite character in the movie. Close second to Jimmy, even though I feel like Jimmy's kind of the villain. But like, Mister White is just like he's so serious. He's just like he like despite everything. Like even when he's saying like it, he's like, uh, "What if they want an encore? You do not get an encore. You bow and you get off stage." Like yeah. he was just so serious. I love yeah, he was, it. Yeah, he's, he's so very, straightforward. Like, he knows what works. Yes, like, he's like, "This is the formula. You play by that." Yeah, and we'll both make a lot of money. Like he's in it for, you know, reasons other than like, "Well, we're doing it for the fans." He's like, "No, you unplug and you run off the yeah. stage." I yeah. love it. He gives him the shades. He's like, "That's your thing." Like it's just yeah, like he's he's uh, crafting their image yeah. right away. You know, he's he know he knows how to sell a pop act. Yeah, and he sells a pop act. It's yeah. awesome. Um, and so, the, like, I wasn't even thinking that he was modeled after Brian Epstein, uh, and it was fine that the with the scene with with the boyfriend it was cut because I felt like we didn't need to know a backstory with Mr. White. I felt like it, no. it was, kind of, it was unnecessary. Like we see who he is and what his job is and he knows what works. Mm-hmm. And that's what his and character that is supposed like, to be. I think learning too much about him weakens the character a little bit. It's right. Like he's yeah. kind of like yeah. this mysterious guy. So just leave him at that. Like you don't know anything about him. You just know he's this powerful guy in the business. And like the only time like he's weakened at all is like when you, he takes him to meet Saul Seiler and it's like, okay, so he's got a boss. So like, yeah. he's not like the head honcho. He's yeah. got somebody over him. But like, other than that, like he's, he's a, he's a mysterious guy. You don't know anything about him. And that's what makes him good in this movie. And when Jimmy and goes up to him and he's like, Hey, I just, I want to talk to you about playing some of our new songs. <laughs> some of our other yeah. songs. We've got other ideas. It's like, like, what is this? Are you getting Fabian away from me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting a sandwich. I love that. 
Rest in peace, Saul Sider. <laughs> I think he think he died a couple of years ago. Uh, what was weird about that is, um, I guess, oh, because you know it is Los Angeles, and a, the tabloids is a very big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, a record executive having all these photographers asking him th- these questions, mm-hmm. like, were you hanging out with this person? Did like they were like. It was like what well what TMZ is now, yeah. but you wouldn't expect that for a guy that, uh, I guess, without the internet, it would be weird to to it was just weird to see that this guy is such a big deal yeah. that you know that he's such a big deal to where he has paparazzi um, at his place of business, which is weird enough that like they were on the inside. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's also one of my yeah. least favorite scenes too. And I don't know if that's the reason why, but that makes total sense. Cause you wouldn't have that. Like the, I don't even think like, I, I can't imagine who the most famous record executive is like, but there's no need to have that had a big personality like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is one of my favorite bloopers though. Cause, uh, um, if you, it's during that scene and it's the the Asian guy that's asking Saul like something about I saw you at uh, Chains with Suzanne Pochette and then he looks into what you think is the camera to take the shot but he actually looks into the flash of the camera so he's actually not looking at him at all in any kind of viewfinder he's looking into the back of the flash and takes the shot but I always love that blooper right there um there's a uh I guess my my favorite character is would be um the bass player <laughs> TV player just for the the fact that he I don't know if it was his name supposed to be TV player or like did no one know his name that's what I was confused uh, about Well they just I, I I think I heard it was like something about them just making a reference to like the bass player is the least known person in the band so they just yeah. weren't going to give him a name <laughs> but then like I read something about like him, like they, they asked him if like, if he actually had a name and he said he made up a name for him. I can't remember what it was. It was like, was it Tobias or something? I don't know. It might've been Tobias, but like he made up a backstory for him just cause there wasn't one. But yeah, they, <laughs> I think they did it on purpose cause nobody knows the bass player in any band. Really. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I thought. Like, okay, that that's, that's, uh, that's why I thought, like, okay, his name is TB Player, and he's the bass player, so it's just a coincidence. But no one <laughs> ever called him by name nope. in the movie, so <laughs> uh, yeah, I like I like that joke there. And he was, um, yeah, he 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 just he was just there. He, he was kind of in the background, <laughs> you know. Um, it's kind of like the uh, the black guy in teen movies. Yeah, like a, like a not another team movie. All I did here is standing in the background, stay out of the conversation, <laughs> um, and then join the Marines. Um, yeah, he started doing push-ups. Like he just <laughs> that part but like, yeah, because he well he was like a little puppy dog, so it's like it was yeah. a perfect thing. Like oh, do some push-ups, and of course he's going to sit down and do two hundred of them. <laughs> um, and it well, the I guess the the thing is that um what was interesting about him is that he was already joining the Marines. He had already made up his mind. You know, he had bought the jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. like he was already doing this no matter what happened yeah. with this yeah. band. 
like everything happened so fast. Like he already had a plan. And while um, Lenny is just along for the ride. Well, I think Lenny and Jimmy were along. Lenny and Guy were along for the ride. Um, And I think things were just getting were were moving along faster than expected for Jimmy. Like he he had all these if he has all these songs and all these ideas, this is what he wants to do. Yeah. As far as Lenny goes, hey, it's just there. He he and Jimmy are friends. Yeah, let's let's do that. And then with Guy, um, he's yeah, I think he's kind of in that same boat as Lenny as far as you're just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. While yeah, I yeah. think Jimmy was like he was one of the, like the maybe like the. I don't know like where indie music originated, but it seemed like he was more in that vein where it was like, I'm about the music. I want to record all these records. And Mr. White's like, nah, we're going to tour. That's where the money is. You can ride this song forever and be a one hit wonder. Ah, we have a title. (laughs) (laughs) A very common tale. Yeah. Um, Yes. So, I think with, yeah, I kind of see Jimmy as like this, yeah, he's kind of an indie kind of guy. You know, they're they're literally a garage band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was supposed to be a ballad. It's supposed to be a ballad. Yeah. <laughs> so I always, I've always felt the feeling that Jimmy owes Guy. Like, yeah. if Jimmy, if Guy doesn't speed that song up, no one's going to listen no to it. No one that. hears that song. No one's going to listen to that thing you do because it's slow and it's boring. And but is Jimmy that kind of personality that doesn't see it that way? He's like, I would have made it anyway, you know. <laughs> but I was gonna make it fast, but you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think he would have said that that he was gonna make it fast. Hmm. Um, I, th- I oh, think I mean, he, like, he might have taken made credit it for it anyway, not made it fast, but he just oh yeah, we would just made it as an artist anyway. Yeah, yeah. I didn't need you to make it fast. I didn't need a happy mistake. Yeah, it would have it would have been a hit as a ballad. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I think if if it had stayed if it had stayed a ballad, the band would have broken up and he would have been playing that song in coffee shops, <laughs> wearing a black turtleneck. So <laughs> play the song at that same slow speed. I think, and this is just an idea, and we can email it to Tom Hanks. Make a sequel to this, but make it a documentary. And it's called like you know basically like it'll be called that the, thing we did that thing we did or just <laughs> the wonders and it's like you know where are they now and you inter- you interview each person and be like man and like I could just see a scene of Jimmy in the coffee shop playing that thing you do and other songs. Well, you gotta you gotta go by you know if it's years later you gotta go by how the you know the little um, the little uh, blurbs at the end. Oh yeah. yeah. So Jimmy started another the band, herdsman, so the herdsman. The herdsman. I could have moved from plural herdsman to single herdsman, and he's in a coffee shop. <laughs> the herdman. <laughs> but it said he became a, a record producer living in California. I always yeah. want to see. And this would also be the '80s if we did it now. So yeah, could have sweet hair. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. I actually. could totally see. Yeah, it just or hell, don't even make it a documentary. Just make it a movie. Call it the Wonders. And just about how they re like they do a reunion tour. They did a uh, earlier this year. They did a yeah. um, uh, well, three of them. I think uh, Steve Zahn was probably was he working on a movie because he was the one that wasn't there. 
Uh, he lives in Kentucky, so he wasn't, I guess, either... Wi- I don't think he was willing to come out for it, but I don't think he was filming anything. They just said that it was because he lives in Kentucky. Oh, okay. Uh, so someone filled in for him. Because <laughs> uh, I did see... Um, I follow uh, uh, Ethan Embry's wife, Sonny Mabry, um, who, even though I, I know of her like Vine and stuff... She was in the second Triple X, the one with Ice Cube. She oh, was Charlie. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she was in that. Um, but she she's married to Ethan Embry, who played TV player. Uh, <laughs> and she had an Instagram video of him, like, watching the movie and playing the song, uh, like, practicing playing the song. <laughs> and did they play... Did they play their own instruments? I, I know, like there was one not interview on I saw that, that not on the recording. No, yeah, I saw that. Um, I think it like, said Steve Zahn could play guitar. Yeah, and yeah, Steve Zahn and uh, Tom uh, Everett Scott could play drums, but he had he had to like. I mean, he could he could kind of play, but he was supposed to be. But Guy Patterson is supposed to be like this yeah, amazing. Played jazz influenced drummer yeah yeah they made them all take lessons and they actually had them like practice together as a band for weeks before filming just so they would look like a band you know yeah. they know what they're doing but like jonathan shake he didn't play guitar in the least bit so and i kind of, i knew i knew for sure when i saw it like okay that's not him singing there's no <laughs> way that's him singing at all <laughs> that's the dude from uh actually i did look this up um he uh I don't think he was in a band. Like I know the, I mean the bassist of Fountains of Wayne wrote the song, but right, uh, the guy that sang it is a producer, and he, um, I don't know if you know that song uh, Harlem by New Politics, but oh, he, it says he uh, that song Mike yeah, he, Mike Viola of the yeah, Candy Butchers. Yeah, he co-wrote that song, so like he's still doing relevant stuff. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's the guy that actually sang the song. Um. Wait, did he also? I like that song, Harlem. That's a really good song. Yeah. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, you said uh, Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne wrote that thing you do. He also wrote. Uh, did he write All My Only Dreams? And um, um I think no, he, he did wrote- not. Actually, he only wrote that thing you do. Yeah, because he won. They it, wanted a okay. contest. Yeah, um, and he nominated for an Oscar and Golden Globe for that. Um, he didn't win. See, who did he lose to? <laughs> That's what he's. I'm trying to find um, out. You must love me, from Evita. Yep. Mm. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else was nominated that year. Um, uh, I finally found someone by Brian Adams and Barbara Streisand uh, for the first time by Kenny Loggins, and because you loved me, written by. I don't know because you by Diane Warren. Yes, my girl. <laughs> So I think he lost because he was the least known of that group. <laughs> um, 
And Stacy's mom probably didn't help. <laughs> but this was before Stacy's mom, though. Oh, it was. Yeah. That's right. 96, yeah. Um, that was his comeback. <laughs> as far as the rest of the soundtrack, uh, well, I, w- <laughs> I wanted to know if you noticed this, uh, Matt. What's telling Ben is that um, I said well, my, my favorite song in the soundtrack is actually Mr. Downtown, uh, oh, yeah. which Price is Price really Price. just uh, <laughs> the Peter Gunn theme with lyrics. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, what did you think of the? Uh, do you think more could have been made of the? Uh, Tom Hanks is one of the co-writers on Mr. Downtown. Um, oh, that's nice. <laughs> do you think more could have been made? of the other characters they were touring with because I know they were like background characters supposed to be about this band you know uh, there was a little bit that uh, you know TB player hooked up with one of the Chanterlines um, yeah. and <laughs> that was a funny scene where guy just comes into his room he's like hey look at the charts over here and then he just like looks over and uh-huh. sees yeah. her in the bed and he just like leaves and he's like right yeah. before he leaves he just like Shakes his hand. <laughs> yeah, that was another director's cut little gem right there. Oh, that was for the director's cut. Oh, yeah, I thought that it was, was yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty funny, but um, you know, I thought more could have been made uh, of the, I guess, the interaction with the other artists. I think something more could have been made of like, did Jimmy sleep with Diane Dane? You took the words right out of my mouth. I wanted <laughs> yeah, to see I don't, more. I, I don't know like that. I I mean, I've wondered the same thing, but like at the same time, like I think the way that they portrayed those other characters, like Freddie Fredrickson and uh, Diane Dane, like they kind of put them as these, you know, we've been around the block a time or two. Like, you know, we don't really have that kind of time to sit down and talk to you kind of thing. Like Freddie kind of humored them for a minute and then eventually walked off when he found that they were super fans. But like, you know, they kind of made it to where they were not approachable so that they wouldn't have to go too deep into what they're all about. But yeah, the Diane Dane thing, I, I, I did wonder that myself because that looked like it was possible. But yeah, yeah. I wonder if Tom Hanks knows. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought like what, what could have been made of that is if we get well, maybe it was it, it was that might have been a director's cut scene where. Diane Dane is rehearsing and then she goes sits on Jimmy's lap. That was in the theatrical because I've seen that scene. Yeah. Okay. That's what makes me yeah. wonder. Okay. That's what that like something could have been made of that or maybe it should have or maybe it could have been like maybe it was that in Pittsburgh where Jimmy should have dumped Faye mm-hmm. but then uh, maybe it was supposed to be um <laughs> I was thinking like, okay, maybe maybe someone if someone was paying attention to something like that, maybe they would predict it, oh, Faye and Guy are going to fall in love in a matter of minutes yeah. <laughs> because Jimmy did not dump her in Pittsburgh. If he had dumped her in Pittsburgh, Guy and Faye doesn't happen. Yeah. And see that that's that's funny because like that I, I don't know what just made me think of that now, but you said that line like I should have dumped you in Pittsburgh. Like I've always loved that line, but now that I think about it, it's like when you look at the movie nothing happened in pittsburgh to warrant anything like they didn't right. fight so it's like i guess i get what guy was saying like why didn't you dump her in pittsburgh but like it i don't like they were really never having problems in the movie like yeah but in the did, director's cut there was a couple of things but like nothing like that would be like 
you know, why Pittsburgh? Because that's like at the front of the movie practically. Yeah. Uh, what's weird is that um, it did seem like a one-sided relationship. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it never seemed like Jimmy like paid attention to anything Faye did. Yeah, it took it for granted. She thought he was amazing and he just did not. She's there. Yeah, she's, exactly. She's background furniture. So. Yeah, she she makes sandwiches. sandwiches. <laughs> oh my god. Title. <laughs> she makes sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. um, That's her title card. Works at Subway. Sandwich artist. <laughs> she took what she was good at and she ran with it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, like, yeah, it was definitely one sided. Um, and, uh, I, it's so, okay. Another thing with this guy and Faye falling in love in a matter of minutes, what is Lamar's shift at the hotel? What what was his shift? I think he's always, I think he's the door guy. But what what's what are his hours? Because when they got there in the afternoon, he was there. <laughs> when a guy got drunk at the jazz club and he's brought back to the hotel at like two, three in the morning, he's right. Lamar is there. <laughs> when they check out of the hotel at twelve and at twelve noon, Lamar is there. That's a valid point. I think. <laughs> so, uh, I, I yeah, I don't know. He's. Loves his job, maybe he's always upbeat, so maybe he's on drugs. I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> it is LA, California, <laughs> cocaine. I mean, surely they have two guys at least <laughs> that they bring in and out. To, but like, it's weird because like he's like, this is my hotel. I got movie stars in my hotel, but like you're the bellhop. Like <laughs> you work at the front. Head like, bellhop. Head bellhop. <laughs> Shut up. He was the bellhop. I was thinking he was the manager. Oh, I don't think he is. He's wearing a bellhop uniform. No, if he was the manager, he would be inside. Or maybe like the concierge or something like that. But like, but he's black, so he has to be outside. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's all about the uniform. I don't think a manager of a hotel wears that. I think no, he would have a a suit, suit and tie. Yeah. Um, But he would. But every time, every scene in front of the hotel, he's right there, and he knows where everything is in L.A. Come on, he's he. I think he was a. Uh, oh, that was a Bill Hops uniform. Okay. Maybe he's a. I don't know if he's a figment of someone's imagination because <laughs> he was there. Jimmy Cricket. He, he's Jimmy Cricket. <laughs> I think he it just Jimmy came down Cricket. to like we don't want to pay another guy in this movie. Like he decided he would work for scale. We got him at a deal, so <laughs> we're just gonna. We're just going to take this guy and run with it, and we don't care what time of day or night it is. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, all different times of day, <laughs> he's there. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he knew where everything was. Um, I mean, it was, it was also nice to notice that uh, Tom Hanks had his family involved yeah. and some old oh, yeah. friends. Uh, his his wife is played Margarita, the, yep. uh, the cocktail waitress. His son was a uh, his son. Colin Hanks was the one who escorted Faye into the TV studio. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the guy who played uh, Lizzie McGuire's dad. Oh, snap. Who was he? Um, he was the host of the Hollywood Showcase. Oh, OK, OK. I had to think about that for a second. It's, it's- I never saw it. Yeah. 
Lizzie McGuire. Um, what is it? Peter Peter Scolari. Okay, that was him, wasn't it? Um, Brian Cranston played Gus. Some, yeah, that was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a scene like that had to be. It had to be another director's cut scene to where after the show. Uh, Tom Hanks hands Gus Grissom the phone, like to to talk to the guy's family. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, th- this is just say hi. Uh, hi. This is Gus Grissom. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's, I feel like that happened. If that would, that happening to celebrities, that has happened to every like celebrity at least once. Like, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> like, just say hello. Like, uh, how are we going to prove that <laughs> <laughs> that I'm talking to them? Um. Uh, okay, we talked about Clint Howard already. Kevin Pollack as Boss Vic Koss. Mm. Um, Hit me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very fancy dressing room um, at this uh, regular theater in the middle of Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> he was very... yeah. Well, they were started off the directors because they started off in his dressing room and then yeah. got kicked into the. That's what I saw. Room. Yeah, yeah. yeah just keep thinking, like he was very. I don't know. He just seemed very small time. <laughs> just, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember him now. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was just so like. Yeah. Well, he's like he's a local radio guy, so yeah. it's like, you know, they know him in town, and he's big nowhere else. But like, I, I think back then radio DJs were bigger celebrities than yeah, we look was, at people now. He was the Alan Freed of Pittsburgh. (laughs) The Rick D's of Pittsburgh. (laughs) Basically. Um, (laughs) uh, What else did we um, see? Okay, so. Bill Cobbs. Yeah, Bill Cobbs is Del Paxton. Paxton. The Del Paxton. Every time I see Bill Cobbs, I think of the uh, he was in he was the coach. Well, he was the janitor then coach in Airbud. Oh God, <laughs> was he? It's been years since uh, I've seen Airbud. But the, every time I see Bill Cobbs, I think of the scene in Airbud where um, uh, I forget the kid's name, the 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 boy in, in Airbud. But he uh, he thought he thought he recognized him as this, you know, former basketball player, this mm-hmm. former NBA player. And he's like, oh, no, that's not me. He's like, okay. And then he leaves, and then he's, like, looking at his his old basketball cards, and he has a card of who he thought it was. And then he looks in the gym, and he sees him, <laughs> like, dribbling the basketball, going behind his back, and then he tries to dunk. He missed the dunk. <laughs> they left that in the movie. I like. I know it's not Bill Cobb's trying to dunk, <laughs> but they could have at least had a shot of him actually making it. They had him missing the dunk. They left that in the movie. <laughs> so every time I see Bill Cobb's, I see that guy missing that dunk. <laughs> um, oh, I need to see that now. <laughs> it's been years since I've seen Air Bud. I think I saw it once, and I was just like, eh, yeah. All right. <laughs> for, uh, for me, he he always makes me think of Demolition Man. I haven't seen Demolition Man. Oh, I've never I seen it. I haven't either. Yeah. yeah All I know is Wesley Snipes' haircut inspired Dennis Rodman's haircut that year. Oh, I can see that. When he played for the Spurs. Yeah. Kind of looks like uh, Dennis Shooter a little bit. Yeah. But Dennis Shooter just has that back. little like streak. 
Mm-hmm. That blonde streak. I feel like that might have inspired. I saw some kid coming out of Best Buy with that now. I guess kids are doing that now. Oh, with the little streak? Yeah. Yeah. And he looked like he came from a good family, so I'm surprised he let him do that. <laughs> that's, an, that's an odd thing. If they're modeling after Dennis Schroeder, I would pick a better basketball player to model yeah. your hair after. Yeah. I mean, there are several rappers they could have said. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be weird. It's more. It would be, I would feel more comfortable if it was like a rapper they saw with like the hair like that. <laughs> yeah, no, not not no, like, <laughs> like XXX Tentacion. Oh, I call it XXX Extension Cord. Um, Matt, did you have a least favorite character in the movie? Um. I don't know if I had a least favorite character. I mean, like, there's people I I think that didn't do, not that they didn't do a. Gr- Actually, I do have a least favorite character. It's Tina. <laughs> I just I don't I don't think she was good in the movie. Um, I don't know who I would cast in place of her, but that might be my least favorite. Um, just kind of all of her lines fall flat a little bit. I mean, like there's, there's bad actors in every movie, but like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I haven't seen a lot of what she's done and I know like she's, you know, pretty well known for being a good actress now, but I think that was her first movie role. So, I mean, that, that might explain some of the awkwardness, but that, that's part of the reason why the director's cuts, not my favorite thing to watch all the time. Like I do watch this movie probably once a month every other month okay. maybe I don't know <laughs> definitely whenever it's on TV and then like I just pop it in because it's one of those that I can watch all the way through mm-hmm. um, but yeah the director's cut has her in it a lot more and I can do with a lot less of her character but um, yeah so I, I, I guess she would be my least favorite but I I mean, there's a couple people who aren't that great in the movie but like you know uh, guys parents but like they still have their <laughs> moments in the movie like i like i like his dad a little bit when he gets all worked up over the newspaper and stuff but like yeah. like over what some other store is doing yeah like he's like yeah just uh, yeah we're just gonna put that in the <laughs> yeah. trash <laughs> um i wasn't well the thing i guess the thing with tina with me is like i wonder how she how did her and guy meet i mean that 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 like it's I know that's not in the movie, Perry. but that would be something that like how do these people because they don't seem compatible really, or like they would ever have met. No, like the he's same like thing. this. <laughs> yeah, they simply had nothing in common. Yeah, he's like this dude who's like into jazz and like you know wears earth tones and works <laughs> in an appliance shop and you know she likes pink things and wears dresses and you know you see her doing her hair in her bedroom. Like, you know, she's just kind of like a, a girly girl. Maybe and she came into the appliance I, shop one day with her father. Yeah. I, I would like to know how they cross paths. If they just, there's gotta be some fan fiction out there that's figured this out. But well, like, know. how um, I don't know if it was, it was probably Lenny who probably called him like Erie's resident beatnik. Um, oh yeah. Lone beatnik. Yeah. <laughs> where's turtlenecks. Yeah. Um, black turtlenecks specifically mm-hmm. uh, but yeah like I, I didn't see anything in common between Tina and Guy um, so I think be- you could probably see early on like okay yeah this isn't this isn't going anywhere so this isn't going anywhere between they're going to break up for some reason um, and maybe he knew it too because like I mean like it, it, well I guess in the theatrical cut like you know like once 
she leaves like he drops her but like even like when they were playing that one show and like he found out Chrissy Tompkins was there like he was like Chrissy Tompkins like he got like excited about it and then you know kind of oh yeah I have a girlfriend kind of thing like he wasn't like all into it either so yeah I and I wasn't sure how how old guy was I felt like he was the oldest guy in the band um, yeah, but I, I feel, feel like, like he was he maybe was, a year or two older than everybody else. Yeah, he's like the guy after after high school who just stayed in town. Or did he go? Yeah. To, no, he was in he was in the he was in the was he in the Marines? I know he was in the military. Yeah, that I know, well, as for, according um, to one scene, he was in the military and then he came back home. Yeah, uh, uh, but I, I he, think he, that was a deleted or. A, Extended cut to, yeah, where he talks to Dell. I know he, when he was him being a couple of years older than everybody, but yeah, I know it was a scene where he was he was talking to Dell at the bar, and it came to where he he listened to his records while he was um, stationed in Germany. Stationed That's in Germany, yeah, yeah. That I think that actually was in the theatrical. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, but so he came back home. But there was still the vibe of. He's the guy after high school who didn't go anywhere. He mm-hmm. just like stayed in town. I, yeah, okay, yeah. He went to. He was in the military. He went to Germany. But he, he, family it, It's just a feeling that he just came back home, stayed in town, and he goes to all the high school parties. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, like it seemed like he was he was the older oldest guy in the band, and it, and and to for it to be. For, to hear that, okay, he, when he was stationed in Germany, uh, it made me think of um, Matt. Are you familiar with the band Heatwave? Uh, a little bit. Um, the uh, the members of Heatwave, they all well the the um, the the two lead singers, I guess. They're they're brothers, and they were both in the army and stationed in Germany, and then they the met a couple band, of right? the yeah. They met okay. a couple of the other members of the group in Germany or throughout Europe. Um, even though Heatwave is considered a uh, a black funk band, it was really more like international than anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they like it. Would seem like there was a lot of um, uh, musicians, the aspiring musicians who were in the military and then they got out of the military and they're still in their mid twenties. Okay. We're going to stay here and do this music thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's just what that reminded me of is that, you know, it's always someone in Germany. <laughs> and they end up, once they get out of the army, they stay in Germany and then they end up uh, starting a band. <laughs> um, but yeah, guy, guy still had the yeah. He was still the old guy at the high school party kind of thing to me. Well, it's even like how old were the other people? Because like everybody is out of high school, and I, I, I've always pictured them as being like either college age or just out of college, like maybe like mid twenties, and then guy was maybe like closer to thirty, maybe you know. Yeah. But like to where they were, they still knew each other and still knew he was a drummer just from being around town and kind of in the scene, or maybe like he was a senior while they were freshmen and like they were aware, like, I, I, I don't know. I always try to imagine it, but I did look up the ages of everybody. And I think was it Steve Zahn is the oldest out of all of them. Actually, he would, did not seem to be the oldest in the movie. No. Yeah. He's, he's 49 <laughs> now. 
and Tom Everett Scott is 46, Jonathan Shake is 47, and Ethan Embry is 39. So that puts Ethan Embry at like he was, 18. He was like 18, 19. Yeah. No wonder he seemed like a puppy dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nick Papa George. Yeah. <laughs> Um. So, yeah, I think he. Well, I well, I think Guy Skirt's supposed to be the oldest, but maybe he was in his mid twenties if he was like out of the army, you know, Mm -hmm. honorable discharge, or was he injured somewhere or something like that? I don't know, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I felt like maybe the the other characters were right out of. I felt like they were supposed to be like right out of high school. Um, it's the summer before they're supposed to go to college, but with TB player, he's going into the Marines instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was that talent show at a college though. Yes. Okay. So that's what, cause I always thought like they're playing it at the college, but did they all not go to college or are they out of college or not? Like, I, I always had a weird time, like figuring if they were go- about to, already in college decided not to go to college or just out like I could never figure that out based on that one thing but yeah. I don't know. um yeah the, I, well I guess ultimately it didn't matter yeah it's one of those things that the, nah. it's a whole yeah. movie that it, I guess it doesn't exactly matter yeah. um because it would also like part of that hole in the movie would be like you know, I know this is the '60s, and there's supposed to be a point to where you either meet your your future wife in high school mm-hmm. or in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Jimmy oh, met Faye in high school, then you know if they were supposed to get married or you know if they're together or whatever, you know it, that. The, so I was kind of also like, where did how old is Faye? Yeah. In well, this as well. Faye was saying because uh, Mr. White asked how long they've been together, and she said two and a half years. So if they were high school sweethearts, then two and a half plus whatever year. So they couldn't be more than twenty. They could, they couldn't be more than twenty. Right. I mean, they were drinking beer, but I think drinking age back then was eighteen. So that's still, but yeah, based on yeah what you just said right there, plus what she said, maybe that puts them around. 20-ish. Yeah. Um, I mean, because they're not yeah. living with their parents. Or maybe they are, but they didn't go into like, you know, we're going on tour. We have to ask our parents. Like, yeah, they, they just kind of like got up. Yeah, they just it, got, you know? yeah, they just went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They practice in a garage. Whose garage is that? <laughs> the, the only person, well, based on a deleted scene now that I know, um, uh, if I saw, if I just saw the, the actual version, I would have thought a guy lived in the basement of the <laughs> store. <laughs> uh, but in the director's cut, he had his own apartment at least. <laughs> um, yeah, I always pictured him being in the ba- the like honestly before the director's cut, I, I thought he was his drums were in the basement and he lived up above the store, <laughs> and then like all he had to do was go down and turn the lights off, which. May yeah, still be the case. I, I don't too. know, but yeah. like, well, actually, that no, actually, because like they showed his apartment. So that that office that he was in was probably up above the store, and the drums yeah. might have been in the basement. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah that, his apartment, I, I, the drums were in the basement. Things. That's where I thought he lived. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought he lived yeah. there too. <laughs> um, Just living with the rats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but that's you. Uh, you know, you guys can chime in on this. Um, oh. See, every time the open headphone is near the mic. Okay. 
Um, with Chris Isaac as Uncle Bob, uh, mm-hmm. the dude, the recording in the church, mm-hmm. with the hand claps, <laughs> with the hand claps. Um, should should the recording have sounded that good? I think it would have sounded a lot boomier, being that it's a tall ceiling, mm-hmm. and I, I mean it would probably have a lot of reverb on it. You could probably actually throw it like I mean now with like the EQ settings that are out there, you could take that thing you do on the album and just press like large hall and, and probably it like. hear what it should have sounded like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, there's no way it would have sounded that good. And while we're talking about recording, as a drummer. It bothers me every time I watch this movie how every time you see anybody playing live music, the drums are never mic'd up. Even on those outdoor fair <laughs> shows, there's not point. one mic on any of the drums. So like that like you could hear the snare drum probably or the cymbals, but like yeah, not yeah, anything no else? none of the drums were mic'd in any of the scenes in that movie. Was anything else mic it didn't seem like anything was mic'd I think the guitars are mic'd about it. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's just the one thing I always focused on, and I was like, why are there no microphones? Because <laughs> I think it's like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like, there's a uh, the band singing at the end of that, or one of the scenes, and like they're singing into a microphone that's a, you know, it's a, it's not a wireless mic, but there's no cord plugged into it, and it's like a, it's a Shure SM57, but like there's no cord plugged in, so I like immediately just focus on that, and. You know, I know it's not on a wireless mic, so then it ruins that scene for me because I can't not think of it that way. But. Yeah, I'm looking. I don't see any instruments mic'd except yeah. their voices. <laughs> think, think about it. <laughs> uh, uh, it's they're Millie Vanillying the whole thing. Oh so. man. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of the? Um, uh, I well, well, based on the uh, when we talked about the the sample this documentary and with like session musicians, like the place to be was LA mm-hmm. to be a session mm-hmm. musician. Um, the wrecking crew. It seemed like the, the guy who survived the best as far as continuing to be a musician aside from Jimmy was Wolfman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's basically well, like, I was a session musician too. Who guy. Oh yeah. 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 But, I mean, Wolfman. He that that was his gig. Like, yeah, you know, that's I mean, what that's he's what, essentially one of like the Wrecking Crew guys. Like, just comes in, plays bass on every album. And <laughs> he was a cartoon. He was a hired gut. Like, yeah, yeah. they're like, I was <laughs> with like when seeing that again. Like, like, do, can you handle our tune? Like, oh yeah, no, I love that. I, like, he they, plays and they just they right, anyway back to what we were doing. They totally underestimate. Um, you know, I Jimmy and Lenny uh, underestimate other musicians that mm-hmm. they worked with. They they didn't they didn't know how good guy actually was, mm-hmm. and they because they're like, oh, it took Chad a week to learn that, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then with Wolfman, uh, like. Okay, I know I, I I don't play the bass. I have one. It's still in my parents' basement. But mm-hmm. uh, I figured that you know if you're a seasoned musician, yeah, that song is not hard to play. No, no, um, it's, it's quarter notes, you know, and maybe a couple runs here and there. Well, at least the ballad version was quarter notes. Let's see, 
I don't know. It's kind of a running bait, like a not a really a walking baseline, but yeah, I mean, it, it moves a little bit, but it's not going to be that hard. It's no, it's no harder than like a, just a simple guitar riff. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, like, <laughs> but with them just like underestimating other musicians, like, Oh, our music's the best. It's, it's really hard yeah. to play. And you know, you got to learn it you know, <laughs> to be a part of our team, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> um, you know, on IMDb, I was looking at like any of the uh, some any goofs that they may have had. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of this seems to be with uh, stuff that was in the scene that, you know, these things weren't out then. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, like a Coca-Cola. Uh, the bass player brings in a wooden case of Coca-Cola bottles with a dynamic written ribbon logo, which wasn't created until 1969. This was supposed to be 1965. <laughs> so, um, <Boo>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the design of the, it says the design on the Illinois state flag during the dance with me tonight scene is from 1969. You know, <laughs> I thought it was going to be some Nick stuff Nick. like, <laughs> you know, like in um, like in Straight Outta Compton, like some people wearing some Jordans from the like late 90s mm-hmm. <laughs> that you clearly yeah. go like, wait, those are like the 96 Jordans. This was be 1988, you know, something like that. Speaking of, I just watched that movie the other day for the first time. I loved it. <laughs> you like Straight Outta Compton? A lot of people did. I did. A lot yeah. of people did. Um Spoiler uh, I, alert. I, I, I question our, our friendship at this point now, Matt. Yeah, I did like it. I, I don't know why. Like, I liked I liked the casting in it, I, except for Dre. I think they could have gotten somebody that looked a little more like him. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, like, 100% what the story actually was. But, like, if it's anything like that, like, it, I don't know. I, I just like how the whole thing played out. And I did read it up a little bit after that and, you know, tried to see like what people thought or what was actually factual and what wasn't. And like some of the stuff surrounding like the manager was up for debate, but a lot of stuff was, was left out to me basically. Um, yeah. Okay. One interesting goof that they had here is in the, this is in the director's cut. (laughs) So you see if you can find this, Matt, while the wonders are in the booth for the early morning interview show in LA, Mm -hmm. As the camera pans around the DJ, the back of the Canadian pop LP Fields of Fire, released by released in 1988 by Corey Hart, <laughs> is visible at the back of the stack of LPs. That, well, that just means Corey Hart's a time traveler. Puts his sunglasses on and goes back in time. Wow. Uh, that's very detailed. That is very detailed. Things you couldn't find in, until the Blu-ray came out. <laughs> Zoom in far enough. Um, and uh, okay, there's some other goofs like when Villa Piano pays Lenny for the night, the bonus in five dollar bills disappears from the top of the bar on Lenny's close-ups. <laughs> so the money's there, it and does. then it's not yeah. there. Yeah. Um. And uh, apparently there's a scene when the wonders meet Saul Siler, we can clearly see the camera at the start of the following shot. Mm, <laughs> watch that. Um, so, yeah, well, um, 
out of 10, Ben, what do you give this movie on a scale of one to 10? I give it an eight. Matt, what do you give it? For me, it's a nine and it probably comes from like the nostalgic thing. Cause like I watched it and loved it as a kid, you know, it was, I was what, 11 when it came out. And I mean, I watched a lot and I also have a soft spot for like that era of music. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like period films, period TV shows. I don't know. Maybe it's because of that, but, uh, yeah, for me, it's a nine and I, I am disappointed that IMDb people only gave it a 6.9, but yeah. yeah, for me personally, it's a nine just, just because of all that. And it's one of those movies I can put in and just leave and not have to, you know, fast forward or cut it. Like I always want to watch it. So you said you'd like movies that like take place during that era. So how many times have you watched Pleasantville? Uh, only once actually. And Pleasantville, that was a weird one to me just because of the whole black and white thing. But like, I like back to the future is one of my favorite movies and that's <laughs> sort of in the same mm-hmm. era, like, you know, the same, like same feel to it. And like, I like, I like Mad Men and that's like 1960s and like uh, man in the high castle. That's in the same 1960s. So I like, I, I guess I like that specific time period, just the way everything looks simple the way everybody dresses like the the vintage like whenever like a dr pepper i think released like those vintage looking cans they had i just i love that like old feel to things and this movie's kind of packed full of that kind of you know simpler times where you didn't have to microphone all your instruments apparently (laughs) (laughs) or any of them All right. Uh, well, I give it. I give it a um, a seven. Uh, I, I think uh, <laughs> Guy and Faye fell in love uh, way too fast. <laughs> it was a matter of minutes, seconds, maybe. Hey, hey! They set it up at the beginning. Guy does everything way too fast, man. Yeah. Yeah. He plays songs way too fast. He falls in love fast. Yeah. He breaks up with people fast so fast that uh only this time uh, i even realized jimmy didn't tell him to slow down jimmy didn't tell him. <laughs> true true and like if there was <laughs> what are you we're talking about the the possible sequel mm-hmm. do you think jimmy showed up to guy and Faye's wedding hell no <laughs> no but i wonder if dave gamelgard did the guy that she kissed in high school. <laughs> I always imagine him coming back and be like, I really love you. And then... But Tina did like in the graduate <laughs> where he's like begging on the glass. I can see Tina showing up though. And just being like, what happened? <laughs> I don't want you. But she would have shown up with the dentist though. But no, I, I just imagine that she was like, now that you're famous, <laughs> you get a lot more attractive. Mm. I saw you on the TV at the appliance store. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, when when they were, um, but when they were like when they got that gig, all of a sudden in at the at the restaurant, mm-hmm. wasn't she? Did she show up for what? She showed up for that. She yeah. did. It was in the director's cut, and that was when that oh, uh, okay. guy got the fire extinguisher and like sprayed all over. And she like you know blamed it on guy. She's like, thanks a lot, guy. And runs out. I guess it was his fault that the idiot took a fire extinguisher and started spraying it everywhere. I don't know, but 
Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, like, this, this will be the last question here. Um, how long do you think this took place from, like, when Chad broke his arm to when they break up at the recording studio? Oh, I feel like it was a couple months. Yeah. I mean, like, if if I'd have to go back and watch it again with that in mind. But, like, um, like I think, you know, when they made it, Chad was still in his cast because he comes and applies at the store, like, brings the sign, and he's still got his arm in his cast. So they're already you know, hitting. And I, I, I want to say he still had the cast when they were like, Chad was at the house with guys, parents watching them on TV. Yeah. And, uh, let me see. There was something like with the timeline of the bass player having to go to the army, like he couldn't stay until August or something like whatever month that was. So it just, it felt like it was definitely within a year because his time frame was already, you know, kind of set in stone. And I, I feel like it was like all it felt to me like it was within like six months of start to finish. But maybe not. I'd have to go back and watch it thinking too, about actually. that. Because it was a blur. Because it seemed like if they were going to like Chad broke his arm the day of the talent show. Um, so that might have been like in the morning. <laughs> so guy could come and rehearse. They play that night. Then the restaurant owner wants him to play there. Who knows mm-hmm. when that was, when they played, when they first started playing there. Was that the next day, the next week? But yeah, it it seems like it was over the course of like, it was like April to probably April to August. The length of a summer. Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> a good point. This, it, was, yeah. it seemed like a summer song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one crazy summer. Yeah. <laughs> a wonderful... No, no, no. I'm going to stop right there. Okay. <laughs> so... So, <laughs> Um 